0: And she stood before him in the doorway. Verse 16, Elisha said, At this time next year you will have a son in your arms. Then he said, No, my lord, man of God, do not deceive your servant. Underline that in your Bible. Don't you deceive your servant. Then the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at the same time that following year as Elisha had promised her. The child grew and one day went out and his father, and the, with his father and the harvesters. And suddenly he complained to his father, My head, my head, his father told his servant, Carry him to his mother. So he picked him up and took him to his mother. The child sat on her lap until noon and then he died. Then she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut him in and left him. Underline that phrase, shut him in. She summoned her husband and said, Please, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so I can hurry to the man of God and then come back. But she said, But he said, Why go to him today? Knucklehead. It's neither new moon or the Sabbath. Why are you going to the man of God today? I'll come back to him in a minute. She replied, Everything is all right. Circle that in your Bible. Put a star next to it in your Bible. Highlight it, color it, do whatever you do, but make sure it jumps out at you on your page. Because in the midst of death, in the midst of adversity, she looked at her husband and she said, everything is going to be okay. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, hurry, don't you slow me down, that's my translation, unless I tell you to. So she sent out and and went to the man of God on Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, Look, there's a Shimonite woman. Run out to her. Meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your son all right? And she answered, Everything is all right. Circle it. Highlight it. Color it. Put a star by it. Everything is all right. Verse 27. When she came up to the man of God at the mountain, she clung to his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in severe anguish. Yet, she professed twice with her mouth, everything is all right. And so he, she was in anguish. And so he says, he looks at her. And the Lord, he said, the Lord's hidden from me, whatever's going on. Verse 28. Then she said to him, oh, don't you hate this? Did I not ask you? For you to not to deceive me. Modern day translation, don't you mess with me. Don't you mess with me. You tell me the truth. And so look at what she says. I told you not to deceive me. Verse 29. So Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your mantle. Tuck your mantle under your belt. Take my staff with you and go. If you meet anyone, don't you stop to greet him. And if a man greets you, don't you answer him. Then place my staff on the boy's face. And the boy's mother said to Elisha, As the Lord lives and as your servant lives, I will not leave you. In other words, don't you send your servant to do your job. So he got up and followed him. Followed her, Pastor Ken. And so Gehazi went ahead of them and placed the staff on the boy's face. But there was no sound. There was no sign of life. So she went back. So he went back to meet Elisha and told him the boy did not wake up. And when Elisha got to the house, he discovered that the boy was lying dead on his bed. So he then went in and closed the door behind him the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. And then he went up and he lay on the boy, and he put his mouth to his mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand. And while he bent down over him, the boy's flesh became warm. And Elisha got up and went into the house and paced back and forth. And then he went back and he bent down over him again. And the boy sneezed seven times, and he opened his mouth. And Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call the Shamanite woman. And he called her And she came and then Elisha picked up her son and she came and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground and she picked up her son and left. The Shimonite woman. That's all we know. Her name's not even recorded in these pages. But there's something special about her. There's something special about her because she had a heart to serve. She had a heart to serve. She was not a self-serving woman. She was not a woman whose life was consumed on herself. And I want you to understand something about being a good mother, being a good believer, being a good follower of Jesus Christ means you have to be selfless, not selfish. You cannot be self-serving. We live in a generation and a day and a time where we have the thing, and I touched base on it not long ago. It's called the walkaway woman, where the woman is walking away from her family. She's walking away from her children. And that women are divorcing today at four times a higher rate than men are. Four times a higher rate. I mean, come on. When I was growing up, it was always the guy messing up. I mean, he was off doing something he shouldn't have been doing with somebody he shouldn't have been doing it with. And all this stuff was going on and he was screwing up the family. He was messing it up. But today we have a thing called the walkaway woman where she's just throwing up her hands and she's walking away and she's going to pursue whatever it is that's like in her heart. Four times the rate that men are leaving. And today I want you to understand something about being a godly mother. Being a good mother means you have to be selfless and this woman was not a self-serving person matter of fact she was the one who wanted to serve and we see in this passage of scripture that Elisha did not go seek her out go seek her out Elisha did not use any ministerial manipulation to get a free meal out of her he was out He was out being the man of God Minding his own business And she said I want to serve I want to be part of what God is doing Through this man's life And she said what can I do Well what could she do She could cook And she said I'm going to prepare you a meal And so every time Elisha would pass that way It must have been some really good cooking Because he made it a point to go by her house And she would feed him Every time she came by Why would she serve? Because she loved. She loved to serve. The only way you'll serve is if you love who you're serving. You cannot serve anybody unless you love them. And today I want you to know that the world tells moms and the world's, world, world tells you women that if you're spending time serving others and you're wasting your life, you are not born to serve, but you were born to thrive and to tell everybody what to do. I saw on the news this morning that it said if you are a, a mom that stays in the home and takes care of her family, that if they were to pay you, salary.com, figure this out, that a good year's wage for you based on the amount amount of work you would do would be $110,000 a year. That's a lot. And if you were a mom who worked outside of the home and dealt with everything else that the home had to offer, it would be about $60,000 a year. That's a pretty good part-time job, isn't it? How many of you know it doesn't pay that? (laughs) But if it did, I bet you wouldn't be leaving the house. But yet you have something far greater than that. God's given you a family. God's given you a home. God's given you children. And I know a lot of times, I mean, we're a selfish bunch. The ones you're called to serve is a selfish bunch. And you do it without notice. And you do it without gratitude. And you do it selfishly. And so many times you pass up eating your piece of pie because one of your little children come back and want another piece of pie and you go without eating any pie and you never let people really know how much you serve them it's kind of like the husband and wife that was married for 50 years on their 50th wedding anniversary the husband got up and he went and fixed his wife breakfast just like normal And so he came back in, and he had a piece of toast, and he had butter and jelly, a little bit of bacon on the side, and he gave her her piece of toast, a little butter and jelly, and a little bit of bacon on the side. But her piece was the end piece. And she, I mean, she lost it. On the 50th anniversary, she spun into a tizzy. And she said, I can't believe this, for 50 years, for 50 years I've eaten bread and bacon, and most of the time the end piece. You would think on my 50th wedding anniversary that I could have got something beside the end piece. I would have thought that you would at least given me the good piece and you take the end piece. And the husband looked at her and he said, this is a typical marriage. Baby, I didn't know you didn't like the end piece. It's my favorite piece. And I've been giving it to you for 50 years. Been giving up his peace for all those years. Mothers are like that a lot of times. They give up and they serve and they serve and they serve and they serve. And the children don't realize they serve. And the husbands doesn't realize they serve. And they don't realize that what's going on. But we know in this story that this woman loved to serve. She loved to serve so much that she gave from her own storehouse she fed from her own storehouse she said let me feed the man of God she fed the man of God and she told her husband she said you know what matter of fact this man of God we know that he's a great man of God we need to do more than just feed him we need to take care of him he needs a place to stay he doesn't need to be staying out on the prairie he needs to be staying in a place where he could feel the warmth and the love of a home where he's accepted matter of fact why don't we build a house for him a little room off on our house And then why don't we put a table and a chair and a bed in it? Why don't we make it feel like home when he comes here? She loved to serve, but the reason she loved to serve was because she loved. And I want you to understand something today, moms and young ladies who are not moms, who will probably one day be a mom. The world tells you the thing that you must love the most is you must love yourself. You must love yourself, you must serve yourself, and it must be all about yourself. And that's the world's mentality. And that's fine and dandy to one extent. But the problem is, you will never have what God truly desired for you to have. You will never feel what God truly desired for you to feel. I know you think that you work and you work and you work and it's unnoticed and it's unnoticed and it's unnoticed and many times if you feel like it's unnoticed, your feelings are not leading you astray. It is unnoticed. But take a week off. Take three days off. You'll see what goes undone. You'll see how things spin out of control. But this woman was a woman who had a heart to serve. She had a heart to love. She had a heart to give. Why? Because she had a heart for God. And what I want our young ladies to know today is that the world is telling you that your heart must not be a heart for God. It must be a heart for you and you alone and what you want and only what you want. And forget about what God wants and forget about what everybody else wants. Just chase your own dreams. If we would have lived in the world that we live in today, many of us would not be here today. I mean, just this week, we... We, we, we've learned about the acceptance of, of our president who says that, you know, he full, full-fledgedly endorses, you know, gay marriage, and it's okay, and it's, it's all right. But, you know, that's just not the way God designed it. It's not what God had in, in mind for you. I know you may think that and you may feel that. But you know, we really can't go on how we feel. We have to go on what we know. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the devil has a purpose and a plan for your life also. And it's called a counterfeit. And he's going to try to give you something that you already have. You don't need a plan for your life. You've already got a plan for your life. Before you were ever born, God had a plan for your life. In Jeremiah 1 and 1, it says, Before you were born in your mother's womb, I ordained you, I sanctified you, and I set you apart. In the book of Isaiah, it says, While you were in the matrix of your mother's womb, that all of a sudden God was calling your name out in heaven. While moms and dads were looking through books trying to figure out what sounds good, what goes good together, what's contemporary, what's traditional, what what will work good with our name, what will we not get tired of saying? That's any name. Well you were trying to figure it out. God was calling it out in heaven. We took that scripture several months back, and we looked at that, and we got with Abby and Emily, and we looked at it, and we said, here's what's happening right now in the portal of glory, in heaven itself, God is calling out the name of the child that Christie is carrying in his presence. While it's in the matrix of her womb, God is calling out that name. The hard part is we've got to figure out what he's calling out, amen? And so we began to pray about that. And man, we talked about names, and we nixed names and all these things, but Ella stuck. Ella Stuck. And so, man, as we begin to think about this, one of the names was, we. I, I said, well, you know, my grandpa was named Ellis. And so Ellis and Ella and Ellie, and we went back and forth, back and forth, and we're just like, here's what we really felt like. And finally, all four of us agreed on it. Here's what we're going to name the baby, Ella. And then this week, Miss Pat prepared something for, for Christy this week, and it came and it had her name. And had everything that her name stood for. And I want you to know that as I read that little card and everything that her name stood for, it brought tears to my eyes because I realized that in our society today, it's just a passing thought and whatever sounds good. But I realized that that name had significance. That name had value. That name had merit. And that name was God-given. I want you to understand that God has a plan for your life. It's not a sham. It's not a phony. It's not a counterfeit. It is the real deal. But if you're not careful, there will be counterfeits all over the place, and we will chase after them, and sometimes we will go all out only to realize that that really was fool's goal. And why do they call it fool's goal? Because you feel like a fool when you try to cash in fool's goal. This isn't the real deal. But God has a great plan. I mean, come on. He did it to Jesus. Do you think that you're exempt from it? I mean, he told Jesus, you remember, after he'd been fasting for 40 days and he was in the wilderness, he said, man, if you'll, if you'll you know, the Bible, the Bible says that if you, uh, he'll give his angels charge over you. You know, if you'll throw yourself off this cliff, that he'll catch you. And Jesus is like, well, it also says not to tempt the Lord your God. And so, man, he comes back with something else. He said, look, when it it was all down to nothing, he said, i tell you what. The hunger pains didn't work. The flight simulation pattern didn't work for Jesus. And he said, man, come on. If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. And Jesus was kind of like, why do I need you to give it to me? It's already been given by the Father. And what will happen, guys and ladies today, is that if we're not careful, the devil will have you chasing after something that's a counterfeit. And you will exhaust all of your energy and all of your pain only to find there was really nothing there. And that's what the world wants you as young women to know today. You know, the feminist movement started and uh, really just as kind of equal pay and equal work and all these things just for you to feel... Like you belong and you were part of society and you were carrying your own weight. Well, we all know, according to salary.com, we can never pay you what you're worth. Amen. Amen? But here's something. It's become much more than what it originally started out to be. It's about you forsaking what God ordained you, sanctified you, and called you to be. God's got a plan for you, Mom. God's got a plan for you, lady. And don't give up on it. Just love like you never loved. Serve like you never served. Give like you've never give. And believe like you never believed. You say, well, I don't even have a man in my life. Well, some of you got a man in your life, and you realize you'd probably be better off if you didn't have that man in your life. I mean, why did that happen? Because we get mixed up, and we get infatuated, and we, get, and we, we fall into lust and not into love. And we chase after the feeling of lust and not after the feeling of love. And we get caddied if you will. There's a preaching word for you. Look that up in the Greek. And we get mixed up. It means we're all spinning out of control. We don't know which way's up. But God does. And today you may feel like you're one of those people. I bet you this Shimonite woman did. I mean, she had a knuckle-headed husband. He was an invisible man. I mean, the Bible, all it ever says is a couple things about him. I mean, it says she had a husband. He was old. Okay. Second thing it says about him was that he did have a job. He wasn't completely deadbeat. And he, and he had harvesters, so he probably had a farm. So he did work. So he wasn't completely invisible. But he was really clueless. I mean, his son's there spinning out of control with a head injury or whatever was going on his head, he was screaming. He told the servant, take that boy to his mama. The Bible doesn't say this, but I bet you he was really thinking, man, that's just a mama's boy. Can't cut it out here in the field with a real man. And took him. Mama held him in his lap. If the daddy would have probably been there, he'd have probably been thinking, well, there's the problem, too much baby. And he died. You know what's interesting about this scripture is that he was pretty much clueless to the death. He's still out in the field. His boy's dead. It really doesn't say the wife, the Shemite woman, ever came and said our son died. Why? She just said, I'm going to see the man of God. And I can probably see this picture. And some of you ladies, you know it. I just can't believe you're going down to that church today to deal with that Preacher. I mean, it's not, the new, it, it, it's not the day to go see the preacher. Why are, you, why are you doing that? Some of you ladies may be dealing with that. Your husband puffs up every time you try to go worship God or something. Listen, and, and he said, Why are you going today? Just give me a servant. Give me a donkey. Let me take off. That's all I need. And so you know the story. We read it. She told that man servant, Don't you slow me down. I'm on a mission. But what did she do before she went to the husband? She went and took her son, and she laid him on the bed that she had prepared for the man of God. And she shut him in. She shut him in. And she went to her husband, she said, everything's going to be all right. But he was dead. But she believed. And she went back to that man of God and she told Gehazi, everything's all right. Just let me see Elisha. The Old Testament prophet. She looked at him. and You women today would say she put him in his place. And said, I told you not to mess with me, not to deceive me. And look at what she says. We see the heart of a true mother. I never ask you to take me to see the governor, the king, the commander. I never even asked you for a boy. I never one time came to you and complained and said, "Woe is me, Woe is me, woe is me. My husband's old and I'm getting older, and I don't have a son. I never complained to you one day that I didn't have a son. It was your idea you asked God to give me a son. And God did what you said he was going to do exactly like you said. Now, I didn't ask for my son. Had you just minded your own business, Elisha, I wouldn't have this problem today. She said, now you come home and take care of it. Okay, I'm going to send Gehazi. No, no, no. I don't need Gehazi. I'm not leaving without you. Sometimes the preacher won't work, the pope won't work, and the priest won't work. Your mama won't work, your sister won't work. Nothing will work but God. And in this picture, understand we're in the Old Testament. The prophets were not a priest. Priests went on behalf of man to God. Prophets went on behalf of God to man. They were God's mouthpiece. Hebrews 11 and 1. I mean, Hebrews chapter 1 says in, 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 various times in, our, in, in, in various times in our past that God used to speak to us through our forefathers, through prophets, through signs and wonders. But in these last days, He's chosen to speak to us through His Son, Jesus. So in the Old Testament, the, man, the, the, the prophet was a powerful man because he would go on behalf of God to man. That's what the whole Old Testament's about. It's full of prophets. We know in this passage of scripture that Elisha was a prophet. Elijah was a prophet. It's full of prophets. And so he would come and he had authority and power. And it was kind of a picture of, of the prophet and the servant of the prophet. But I want you to know that there's times that your faith family will not help you. Your pastor will not help you. There's times, honey, that you just need to go straight to God and say, Lord, it's not anything but you, Lord. I need you. I need you. I need you. I want you to know today, Mom, and I want you to also know Dad. That there's times where the horoscopes won't help you. Tarot cards won't help help you, psychics won't help you counselors won't help you you have to have the great I am the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the one who walks on water to sweep down into your life and begin to see you through the storm. There's times that we lose loved ones. There's times that we lose friends. There's times that we lose family members. There's times that we lose our jobs. There's times that we lose our income. There's times that our life is going through a loss. And I want you to understand, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that what you have to do, what you have to believe in, what you have to cling in, what you have to rely on, is Jesus Christ said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. No, never alone. No, never alone. The old hymn said I promise. Promise never to leave you alone. I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, on the authority of the Word of God, He's not bringing up the rear. He's willing to be the lead in your life. If you will just let Him, trust Him, believe Him, rely on Him, and walk with Him, He'll go with you and for you where you don't even have the strength to go. Is your life so messed up today that your heart's so broken that you don't even know how to pray? You don't even, all you can do is cry yourself to sleep and wet your pillow with tears. If it is, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to know personally, I have been there. And on the authority of the Word of God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, and even when we do not know what to pray, the Spirit intercedes with us with groanings that cannot be understood by man. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us on our behalf when all we can do is grunt and groan. And cry and believe God, the Holy Spirit will work a miracle in our life. He yeah. say, "Well, Pastor, I've lost someone in my life that I love dearly. Why didn't God raise him back like the Shem- Shemanimite woman's son? Because God has a greater purpose and a greater plan. God has a greater joy in our life that He wants to fulfill." Yes, it may feel like hell by the square inch when you're walking through it. When you're walking through the midnight hour, when you're walking through the depression, when you're walking through the the overwhelming strength, it may feel like you can't even breathe. But I want you to know that if you will not give in, He will not let up. When you can't feel God working, when you can't see God moving, it's because He's doing something in your life that's so big that you can't even see it moving. I mean, how many of you saw the world spin yesterday? I mean, how many of you went outside and said, wow, this world's turning? It's so big, and it's moving so slow that you can't see it moving, but how many of you know it's moving? And sometimes in your life, it's just like the planet Earth moving and spinning around. God's moving so slow. I know it's not our time schedule, amen? He's moving, but it's so big, it's moving, and you can't even hardly see it moving. But I want you to know, you never have to doubt that it's not moving. God's always working. He just wants you to love. He wants you to serve. But he wants you to believe. And I'll tell you something. You will never know what you believe until you've been squeezed. He says you're hard pressed on every side. Yet not crushed. I did an illustration one time when I was speaking to some, some students. I had about five different tubes. Of things And I say, what do you think the color of this substance is based on the tube? And they would shout out a color and I'd squeeze it out and it'd be something entirely different. Why? Because you can't judge what's on the inside by what's on the outside. And you never know what's on the inside until you'd put pressure on it. And you'd squeeze it. And when you squeeze it, what's on the inside psh, squirts out. And I'm telling you, when this woman was hard pressed on every side, She took her son and she shut him in with the only place that she really knew the power of God was. And it was in that little room that she had built and where that little table and that little bed was and that little chair was stationed. And she took that boy and she shut him up. She locked him in. And she went out to get the man of God. And I'm going to tell you something today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, moms, we need to shut our children in every chance we get. Where the power and the demonstration of God is. and then we need to just cast ourselves cast ourselves prostrated as altar and just say, "Lord, I need you to move. I need a miracle. I need your divine intervention. I need your Holy Ghost' power. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. If they live, it's going to be all right. If they die, it's going to be all right. If my husband stays, it's going to be all right. If he leaves, it's going to be all right. Because God, you are not judging me on what other people do. You are judging me on how I live through what you're doing in my life. You're judging me, Lord. You're, you're looking at me. You're, 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 you're giving me my examination on how I live. I remember, man... When I was walking through the adversity in my life and the the failing marriage in my life, I remember thinking, oh man, man, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this is going to think that, and this is going to think that. And when I realized that everybody thought the worst, it was so liberating. Because I realized one day, and I told my sister, I said, you know what? When the whole thing's said and done people are not going to look at me and say and judge me on the merit of what somebody else decided to do but they're going to judge me on how I choose to live through the adversity that I walk through and I want you to know we see that in the book of Job and his wife came to him and said you knuckleheaded man you in modern day translation why don't you just curse God and die what have you done you have messed this thing up royally we've lost the form we've lost the children we've lost everything we have and Job said though he slept me, I'm going to go down serving him, singing his praises am I to be so hypocritical that I'm to take the good things from God and rebel and walk off when I have to go through adversity and I'm telling you on the authority of the word of God, you know how that story ended, God restored back everything multifold. she said everything is going to be alright It was her prayer. It was her statement of faith. It wasn't her husband who was still out in the field worrying about the crop. It wasn't her mother-in-law. It wasn't her mom. It wasn't her sister. It wasn't her brother. It was her statement of faith. She said, everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. And I want you to know today, Mama, I want you to know, mothers, don't you give up. Don't buy in any junk the world is selling you. The world tells you you're old fuddy dud because you decided to stay home and raise your family. Take care of your husband, which is a multi-time job. Take care of your children. If you're willing to make that sacrifice financially and stay home, don't you let the world make you feel bad because you decided to do that. I mean, we just saw that in presidential politics not long ago. Even though Mitt Romney has more money than he can spend, his wife decided to stay home. And that, you remember that woman came out and said, she's never worked a day in her life. Well, you could, you could tell she really didn't understand a lot about families, huh? Here's what I want you to understand. Don't you sell out for fool's gold you walk away from the most precious thing God's ever given you. It's called a family. Don't sell it out. Don't give up on it. If you sell out something, sell off some things that let you be part of your family. Don't try to gain everything the world has and lose everything God's given you. You say, well easy for you to say, preacher. No, it's not. It's one thing to preach it, but sometimes it's pure de Hades to live it. Don't you give out. Don't you give in. Don't you give up. You shut yourself up with God and say, "Everything's going to be all right. I know whom I believe in, and I am persuaded that he is able to perfect that which concerns I know whom I believe in. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor things in the past, nor things in the present, nor things in the future, no principalities, no powers, no kingdoms, no rulers, nothing can separate me from God's love and from God's plan for my life. You say, well, I've already messed that up. I've already married somebody who's an atheist. I've married somebody who doesn't love God. They're agnostic. They're whatever. They're, They're a bozo. Uh, you 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 got a bozo instead of a boaz Listen, here's what you can do You can just believe God You can shut yourself up with God on a daily basis You can begin to intercede and say God, you know I messed up You know I've messed up my life You know I've sold out the promise and the plan that you had for me But God, I know you love me And I know that you can perfect the situation that I have right now God doesn't want you to throw it all away and start over. You're looking for a do-over. God's looking for redemption. You want a do-over. You want an undo key. Don't you love that undo key on your computer? I mean, you just hit that undo key and it just puts everything back to where it was on the previous page when you mess up. Life doesn't have those. God's not giving you one what he will give you is grace, mercy, and redemption. That Shemini woman, she served because she loved. She loved because she believed. She knew whom she believed in, that he was able to perfect that which concerned her. How about you today? How about you, Mom? Are you teetering on giving up? Are you teetering on throwing in the towel? Are you teetering on trading in? How about you, Dad? You're teetering on throwing away your home and your marriage and your family? Your wife's not a car you can trade in and go get a newer model? Are you teetering on doing that? Maybe today you just need to make your way to this altar and say, God, forgive me. Lord, I was looking for an undo button. Lord, I was looking for a do-over. But I need your grace and your mercy. Maybe you've already thrown in the towel. Maybe you've already walked away. Maybe you've already given up. Maybe the judge has already signed the divorce decree and it's all over. If you are, it's okay regardless of what some popular opinions may be divorce is not the unpardonable sin but it's a way for God to show off in the midst of a mess and brokenness and really and truly begin again all you have to do is say Lord here's my life it's all I got I know you had a great plan but I may have messed it up but Lord here it is I'm going to do the best I can with what I have for your glory and for your kingdom and when you do, have done the best you can, that's when God just takes over and says, I can take it from there. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. Maybe today you want to make your way to this altar. As husband and wife, just say, Lord, we're re enlisting. We're re enlisting. We're, re-enlisting. we're recommitting. I gave you my heart we gave you our home a long time ago but Lord you know we've walked through some tumultuous waters since that day and Lord you know our, heart, our heart's not hot for you anymore Lord today we're here we're re-enlisting we're re-upping because we realize the best days was when our heart was hot and heavy for you and you were giving us love and mercy and grace I don't know how the Spirit may be dealing with you today but I can guarantee you one thing I bet he's speaking to you Maybe he's telling you today Mom or dad You need to go home and Call your children And say hey I've messed this thing up royally I tried to give you everything The world had And didn't give you What God had for you I don't know what you may need to do Maybe life puts things At a, a faster pace Than what you really And truly want to do God's got a plan And I'm going to tell you Something tonight this morning, you can rest in it. You can rest in that plan. You can rest in His mercy. You can rest in His grace. There will be help and strength in your time of need. He'll love you through a loss. He'll love you through a death. He'll love you through a bankruptcy. He'll love you through failed marriages. He'll love you through rebelling children. Don't you give in. Don't you let up. You trust Him and obey Him because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus trust with your head bowed today maybe you're here and you just say pastor I don't I'm not going to call out each one of those things but maybe you're here and you just say pastor I I need God to move in my life would you pray that I'll have strength today to start afresh and be like that Shemite woman. Shut my family in. Lock the door. Say everything's gonna be okay. Because I know whom I believe in. Maybe you need God to give you a fresh start. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, I need God to move in my life. I'm going to pray for you today. Thank you, dear sisters. Thank you, young man. I see you, dear sister. Young lady in the back, I see you. Somebody else. Thank you, dear sister. Dad, I see that hand. Young dad. Dad, I see that hand there. Somebody else. See that hand there, dad. Mom, I see that hand. Somebody else. Another mom. Another mother. Another father. How about you children? Maybe you're trying to live for the Lord and you live in a terrible home. And you just want to say today, I need God to give me strength That I can keep on the straight and the air, Keep serving Him Somebody else Lord today you saw these hands that went up And Lord you know every one of them represents a, re, represents a home Represents a life But in heaven it represents a plan That you had for that life and that home And I pray today That while the hound dogs of hell May be hot on their trail That Lord they'll leave here Filled with the Holy Spirit With boldness With power with might, with forgiveness, with re- encouragement, and with redemption. Lord, I pray that as uh, Gehazi tucked in his mantle and took <coughs> Elisha's staff and ran to meet that dead boy, I pray that your brothers and my brothers and sisters today, your children, will leave here with mercy and grace and truth tucked in their belt, Lord, going home to love their family, to believe in their family, to rest in their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet today, we'll have some pastors here. Won't you come? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let God have his way in your life. Won't you come? Won't you come? Maybe you need to give your heart to him today. Hands went up all over this building. This altar is open for you. Won't you come deal with the Holy Spirit today as he's speaking to you? Won't you come? Just... Just come right now. This is, where it, this is where it begins. Just saying, Lord, here I am. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Have your way in me. I want you come. How about you? Every breath that I say.